0: Hello and welcome to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast where I introduce you to the most amazing producers, entrepreneurs and consultants who work with me to help me build stronger, healthier, better versions of food businesses. I've been building teams to work with food businesses for over 25 years now. We're taking you behind the scenes in my business to meet some of them. I'm delighted today to be able to introduce you to Dylan Fernando, the CEO of Dilma Tea. I was very lucky to meet him in 2013. I was introduced to him and his passion for tea and the quality of teas that Dilma produce ignited an interest in tea in me that led me then to study with them at their school of tea and then to go on to learn more and to study as a tea sommelier, a certified tea sommelier with the Tea Association of Canada. So I hold him responsible for igniting my love of tea and showing me how good quality tea could be, and for introducing me to a business which has such wonderful integrity and genuinely ethical, sustainable values right through the business, a business that was founded in the 50s on those principles by his father, Merrill. And I know that you're really going to enjoy hearing what drives him and hearing him share how he runs the business and, and what is important to him day to day.
1: How are you? I'm yeah. good. Uh, keeping good. well. Good. Challenging times huh, for everyone, but... Uh...
0: I, I think uh, the hardest thing could. is not being quite sure. I, I spoke to a customer yesterday who had booked to be at Anuga, the trade show, you know, in, in October. And he said, I've booked. I don't know if we can travel. And then he said, and I don't know if I want to go to Germany. <laughs> you know, and he said, it's just so difficult because you have to make some kind of plans, but you're not not sure. And I think that is it. It's teaching us all. Patience and flexibility in a big way, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It's crazy chaos, crazy volatility. I
0: know, and very difficult for you because you're operating globally. And so even when things are slightly better in one area, they're they're changing in another. So I can imagine it's um, difficult. Exactly. So for those, of, for those who, who don't know you, you are Dylan Fernando and you are the CEO of Dilma Tea, Dilma Salon Can you tell me how you describe your job to people? Because I know how many plates you've got going at once. What would you say your job day to day entails?
1: Well, Jane, uh, you know, in a family business, there's never anything that remotely approaches a JD, you do what needs to be done. Absolutely. So, uh, and actually, I, I must say that, that that's really a blessing because, I mean, for me, my uh, uh, love is tea um, and uh, w- wanting to do everything uh, sustainably. Conservation is my second great uh, affinity and, uh, you know, wanting to also do it ethically with integrity, um, you know, have been able to serve Uh, our community, you know, in education, in different areas. That is also a huge part uh, of my passion. And I have the privilege of doing all three because with uh, Dilma, we have a commitment to taste, goodness and purpose. And so uh, whilst looking after Dilma, uh, my time is also divided amongst our uh, MJF Charitable Foundation and Dilma Conservation, which are absolutely, uh, you know, the the greatest pleasure.
0: That's that's good, isn't it? And I think I think you are a bit like me, that you like to, to be involved in a lot of things. And if you were only allowed to do one of them, I think you would find that quite frustrating, I suspect. So it, it's nice, isn't it, to have the variety in what you do as well and to have the opportunity to work with so many different people and, and help different people.
1: It seems because, you know, whatever you do in this day, I mean, if, you, if you're going to go and if you, if you want to uh, uh, offer a new tea, You can't simply sit uh, or or stand at a a tea tasting uh, room and say, okay, this is it. You need to get involved with the the estate. You need to understand the terroir. You need to work with the planters. You need to equally work with the packaging and so on. And, you know, I think that something that uh, COVID has taught us is that there are no boundaries. If uh, something needs to be done, uh, there has to be collaboration. So you need to get involved in everything because you need to make sure of the purity of whatever vision, particularly if it's a product and if it relates to quality, sustainability and so on, Uh, because not everyone shares the same commitment. So if you've got a central purpose, you need to get involved. And I think that's as simple as it is.
0: And and that's a a good key too to gluing it all together, isn't it? I know I was talking to Shabnam Weber this week from the Tea Association of Canada, and she was saying when you understand the different parts in the chain that bring a cup of tea into your kitchen and let you enjoy it. You can't help but feel responsibility for everybody in that chain. And and you are closer to the beginning of that chain. So how that changes, what you will shop for, what you regard. And, and I think I'm very hopeful that that is something also that through COVID, people have understood more the effect that we as a people have on our planet and how important it is that we don't just worry about the bit that affects us, but how much more important it is that we understand the whole chain. And we're certainly seeing with younger people, people the age of some of your family, that they are buying much more responsibly now and they want to know in, in the same way as I have felt for many years that I want to buy meat knowing it was reared well, it was reared happily. If I'm going to eat it at a good life, it means I pay a lot more for it, but I'm happy to do that and to eat it less often. And I really hope that that is spreading through the food chain because certainly in the UK, we are very guilty of spending a much smaller percentage of our income on food and drink than we do on on other things. And I think we really need to get that back in check. And I hope that that's part of what we've learned during the pandemic. And that I'm certainly seeing signs of people being much more concerned about the businesses they're buying things from, which I think will work very well in in favour of companies like yours who have always put the people in your business first and, and all your partners right through the chain. Would you agree? Are you seeing signs of that from other parts of the world too?
1: Well, you know, there was always a premiumization trend that people talked of, but it's only recently in the face of food safety fears, concerns about ethics, inequality i mean which which really have been uh, tangible in in i mean in, in so many producing countries over the past five, six years, particularly. Yes. Uh, because it's not because it didn't exist before, but because it's now better communicated. Yes. But what we are seeing now is a fundamental shift with consumers saying, "Okay, look, let's let's actually walk the talk," and that's refreshing. But in between, you have you you have of course you've got retailers, you've got uh, different uh, parts of uh, the the chain. Yes. Which may not always subscribe to the same principles or give us the opportunity to communicate those values. So ultimately, in many environments, uh, unfortunately, not in the direct to consumer, the online environment, but in many environments, you have the terrible unfairness of uh, an ethical, sustainable product having to compete on price with one that uh, completely lacks those credentials. Those credentials. uh, What you're saying, it's it's, it's really music to our ears.
0: Well, I I think that's good. But I mean, I also think we're very fortunate that we live in a time with podcasts, with social media, where we can communicate some of that directly, where you're not reliant on the people in the middle doing that for you. I know recently within our business, we've been looking at, what our values are, and and I mean, something that you communicate very well always, what ours are and how we communicate them, but without looking like we've done things so that we can communicate them. And, and I had been having a conversation with City Harvest, the charity that I'm an ambassador for, I've been having a conversation with their CEO about figures that I had read about America where food businesses where businesses generally, rather small businesses, give far more to charity than larger ones do. But larger ones talk about what they give and smaller ones don't. And we were talking about those figures and I'm saying, I'm sure they're going to be the same in the UK. and But I said it's very difficult because if somebody constantly talks about what they're doing, it also it sounds like they're doing it so they can talk about it. But then she said to me, but I also think if you can talk about what you've done and the impact that that has had, then it will allow other people to understand that they also could have that impact. So I, I think everybody is learning how they can communicate that. And I mean, I know for a number of years, Dilma didn't really talk about how the foundation was funded from things that were done in the business. Um, because for that reason, that you felt it was something you were doing, that you didn't want to draw attention to it. And it's also a sensitivity to the people that you're helping, that you're not wanting to make something of them that would make them feel uncomfortable. But I think now consumers also need to understand why they pay the price they pay for your products because of everything that you're doing and because of the impacts that you're having environmentally and with people. So I think it, it's great. I mean, I love your purpose book and everything that that has in it and all the information that that gives people. And it's great because it's available electronically. We can share that really easily with people. Are you finding, I mean, you also pick a number of your partners. So I guess you pick partners too that for whom that's important
1: as well. It's also, I, I guess it's going back to why you do it. Yes. And in our case, you know, our philosophy was birthed in the 1950s, and it is because my nice. father disrupted an industry that was fundamentally exploited, and and he wanted to champion a cause, and that cause runs very strongly in our business. So why we didn't communicate it is a simple Christian philosophy that uh, uh, one hand shouldn't know what the other is doing where charity is concerned. But what the irony of that was that whilst we were doing what we we do amongst workers and the wider community, we were doing it because it's right, not because we should be seen to be doing it. Or,
0: or because anyone else had told you to do it either, you know? Absolutely,
1: no. I mean, it's but also if you really look at it, it's, it's something that is as, as normal to every human as being human because, yes. it's, you know, somebody walks into my room, falls down, of course, you're going to pick them up. And of course. Uh, why not extend that same principle to a business? But then... The irony was and, and what became a sort of a tipping point for us is that suddenly people were saying, oh, you know, those guys from Dilma, they're not fair trade, you know, they're not ethical. They were going and talking to our customers and we were getting calls saying, hey, you know what? What's wrong with you guys? We said, look, we don't want the validation. We don't we're not going to throw certificates in your faces saying, look, we've got this. We've got that because of certificates cost us uh, last measure, I think, two or three percent of what we really actually do. But we said, well, look, we'll do an annual report. We'll have uh, uh third parties validating it and we'll send you a report and that's what the purpose book is which simply says look this is what we do we add a few numbers to a document if people want it it's not something that you should bandy around because the minute you align your ethical or environmental purpose with your marketing you end up by diluting or corrupting that original purpose because as you mentioned the dignity of your beneficiary is so important when we go into a community. If we go with cameras and and uh, microphones, forget it. There's no yes. way you can deliver impact. And today, uh, we've got to stop messing around. There's no yes. question of this idea of CSR and you know putting a hand around a crying kid and you know putting a no. picture out. No, we've got to deliver impact because the crisis is here. Yes. Even yesterday, uh, President Biden talks about it. I mean, wherever you go in the news. Yes out of the top 10 articles, you're sure to find three about relating to an existential crisis.
0: And he's, and he's talking about what's going to happen going forward. No, no, what's happening Absolutely. right now, you know, where there's clearly a need for rapid change as well. So. But if
1: anyone thinks that we are not living in an living through an existential crisis, I mean, it is in every sense threatening mm. our very existence. And so, it's incumbent upon individuals or businesses, everyone, mm-hmm. to actually join and try to do something. So whether it is, you know, picking up plastic off a beach or whether it is uh, doing something to address inequality and help a farmer. Yes. And some of the things that you do, uh, Jane, about talking and, and encouraging producers, that's the incalculable its benefit. Because when you re-energize rural economies, you build a front line against climate change. You you uh, reduce deforestation. I mean, farmers yes. aren't cutting down trees because they, they hate the environment. They're doing it simply because they don't have the money to educate themselves, to innovate, to build on, on precision agriculture uh, knowledge, which, which is available.
0: Absolutely. And I always remember when I was doing work years ago in, in prison, somebody said to me, You can never be sure that if you didn't have the same choices as those people that you wouldn't have made the same choices as them. You know, and I I was watching on the news last night, famine in in Africa and people really fighting to survive and and going to market to try and sell goats to survive and nobody would buy the goats because the goats were too thin. And so now this week, that guy has to make the choice to feed the goats and not his children so that he can sell the goats to feed his children. Do you know, it's it's awful. And, and we absolutely need to reverse that and, and quickly and everybody needs to do their part. And another thing I think too, is that people think I can only do a small bit. You know, if China is such a huge polluter, does it matter if I'm recycling my plastic or, you know, trying to avoid using plastic as much as I can? Yes, it does. If everybody did it, the difference would be phenomenal tiny amounts of stuff can make a huge difference and i think that's the other thing that we we have to stop sweeping it under the carpet and there's been a lot of greenwashing as well so a lot of people claiming you know zero emissions and things because they've offset everything which doesn't yeah. it just builds the problem up somewhere else so you know i think i think i love uh, i really enjoyed at the beginning of last year march april when Your conservation team switched to to helping us all to grow vegetables at home. And it was really interesting because we were, you know, we were miles from you and you were in Sri Lanka. We were in the UK. We were all doing exactly the same things and and at the same time. So, you know, I, I think people have to become a lot more thoughtful. And I think it has always amazed me about your business and more now when you look at what your father did in the 50s you know, way before other people had thought about it, what a visionary he is and continues to be. So, and wonderful, because next month he will be 91. and uh, Yes,
1: on the 6th of May.
0: And still coming, you know, with all these new ideas and pushing ahead and great enthusiasm. And I think all I would hope is that when we're both 91, we will both have as much passion still for what we're doing as he does. It's wonderful. Very inspiring. What I normally ask people is who are their role models? And for you, obviously, you're working in a family business, but you have that M- Merrill, who we've just mentioned, you know, is such a big part of of your business and I'm sure is one of your role models. But who else have you looked at in business and and thought, I like what they're doing or, you know, there's a good way that they're doing something. Are there other people that inspire you too, inside your business and outside?
1: I think, you know, uh, my father, I, I would say, is my uh, most significant role model.
0: I'm not surprised. I think the
1: rest of it, you know, there are so many people who are amazing examples when you take uh, adoption of technology, uh, different people in the uh, uh, social service sphere, uh, also in the environment and so on. But I have to be really very honest with you, and, you know, this is probably something that is extremely old fashioned and probably not politically correct, but it's my faith yes. that gives me the strength in every other area. Because, I mean, if you look at it, there's a passage in the Bible that I have uh, uh, written up here in, uh, in my office, and it talks about when you're going through the valley of darkness, you know, don't look to the sides, focus of Jesus. And I have to tell you that uh, if, if you ask me about a role model apart from my father, uh, well, I'm, uh, Years, I I guess greater than my father because it is yes. his role model too, uh, that would be it because uh, the the rules of life and the rules of business, the rules of integrity. But let me tell you, at the beginning of uh, COVID, we faced a crisis of cataclysmic proportion. And if I uh, were to go back to that time, and if I were to be in the shoes of many others, it would be a very, very uh, a hard decision to take to say, look, no matter what the consequences protect your, our people. And that's what my father and I decided. No, I was looking yeah. a couple of days ago, uh, there was a chap from a consultancy uh, firm, uh, Global One which called and said, you know, this you guys did this. This is remarkable. I said, there's nothing remarkable about it. These are the people who helped us build our business. He said, well, did you know that in uh, so and so, another tea producing country. There were forty thousand people laid off in the last twelve months, and he gave me some figures. But you know, I was just thinking, uh, in in my faith, when you ask about role models yes. and and my fathers and, I, and mine equally, that is simply not an option. You no. can't have money in the bank and say, look, we dispense with all these people simply because we want to put a few more zeros on our sort of accounts at the end end of the year. So. I think that would be the short answer. I guess it's not the fashionable answer. Well, uh, but I think,
0: I mean, I think a lot of the businesses that have struggled have been businesses that were already struggling and weren't putting their people first, you know. And and, I mean, I suspect to your staff would all feel a tremendous loyalty to your business in a way that other businesses don't get because they don't there's no equity in how they think of people but you know without those people how will those businesses build back
1: this is our concern it's about a commitment you know it's also i mean again uh, again our faith is uh very specific that uh, there is nothing that comes easy and you know it's it's about looking at it's, it's the whole perspective the mindset the attitude i guess you could say yes um about covid it is simply about saying okay look one at one extreme, you can say, wallow and say, my goodness, you know, I've, I've I've been hit. What do I do? The other extent, you can also say on the other side of it, you can also say, you know, let's work at building up the velocity that's going to help me get out of this yes. uh, swamp of, uh, of negativity and so on. And I think really that's, uh, again, a very biblical kind of uh, uh, approach, which uh, has sustained us and strengthened us.
0: When when you think like that, too, when you're thinking about how you, you know, about coming out of it, about the, the positivity that you have because of your faith, the fact that you know uh, that you are being looked after, that everything happens for a reason. and And I certainly felt what an opportunity we're all getting to reset. I hadn't realised necessarily how busy life was until things stopped and when they did and so many people are saying I don't want to go back to being so busy I don't have time to do the things that I've realized this year matter most to me and I think much as this has been catastrophic for a lot of people and very difficult for them I think it is an incredible opportunity to look at where we are and I think how bad must it be that they had to pause everything to let us see that yeah. and I think you know if you don't try to do things differently coming out of it you've lost the biggest opportunity you're ever going to get so.
1: But also Jane I think we need to all understand that uh, whilst we consider ourselves business people particularly here in Sri Lanka yes. there are so many lives that are dependent on what you do yes. and so I mean I come in here we see our plantation workers we see the people who are serving in a tea lounges they're so grateful for the fact that uh, we continued to pay their wages that we were able to distribute food ration packs to them yes. uh, in the middle of lockdown that because, you helped I mean, them with
0: all those logistical things yeah, yeah.
1: but for the business it's it, it wasn't a big deal you know you nope. make a few calls you pull a few strings uh, but you know for the right for the right reason and yes. you make sure that your <laughs> staff are cared for yes and uh, you know so i think you need to take it in you need to we need to reset also in our mindset because we're all in this together I know yes. that's stating the obvious but quite often and, and I see it in, in several of, of the people that we meet in business it, it's never considered that we need to understand that yes everybody's going to say look it's very soft and teary to say that we are one family but that's the long and short of it because if somebody is starving or unable to feed their kids because of your lack of initiative, you know that's that's a tragedy,
0: and it, and it's a it's a responsibility that comes with 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 running a business that you have to be responsible for everybody. And I know I spent the first three or four months helping customers understand what they would do, and suddenly thinking about the end of June, I don't think I've worked out what might have changed for me. But I had to help them because I could see that they were you know worrying about things and panicking about things So you do that first and the the rest will be taken care of and i think and i think that's the same and for you it's great because you are in sri lanka and you're in among your people i mean i think we've seen some problems this this last couple of weeks in in the uk in in football which seems like such a strange thing i i mean i think i think these are all good things to discuss with you and things that really set you apart. You've also been doing a lot more in the last year on social media, a lot more webinars, communicating both with end customers and also with your partners, things that will help, you know, educate people and things while people have more time, while people are at home, showing them the differences in in products and things. And one of the great things, I think, is how much that is exciting is still going on within the business while we all work out the basic things. Like I have now tried twice to send a parcel to our group in Benelux and because we are no longer in the EU, both times they've said your parcel is out for delivery and I've thought, great, and then it has appeared back here. (laughs) You know, so stupid little logistical things are are causing us issues, but at the same time, it's wonderful to see... Yesterday, I was on the cheese and tea webinar, which was phenomenal. I love two of my favorite people, both on screen together, yourself and and Betty, who is so passionate about her cheese. But wow, to taste those cheeses with teas, so different and great. And I've had some great conversations since I posted about that with people about other things they like. Tea and chocolate. Can't have a cup of tea or can't have chocolate without having a cup of tea with it and how much that changes the flavour of that. Um, I think too much we think of tea as something you have once at breakfast and maybe a long time after dinner at the other end of the day. And I think the opportunities for people, particularly now as, as a lot of people are wanting to drink less alcohol and things, that to be able to offer somebody some really good quality tea with their cheese board in a restaurant or... Or just to encourage people at lunchtime to have a cheese platter and some tea or it's great. So you're doing some great work sharing some of that innovation.
1: It's unfortunate that, uh, you know, when tea became really a victim of its own success, because uh, when it became so popular, it became entered the mainstream, unfortunately dragged the speciality down. But when you really look at the story behind a spectacular silver tips or a single estate tea that has been influenced by seasonal weather phenomena the, the combination of the flavors the aromas the hues the, the textures it's it's truly incredible and that's really what drives us and so for us it's quite simple to be sharing that, uh, that yes. joy
0: but but it, it, you know it is and and they are very special teas and they'll never be repeated that's the other lovely thing you know they have unique yeah. dna every year you have to look at what has happened with the weather and how that has changed things and and, and produced. But I think that's really exciting too and, and means that even if people know something that they love, every time they open a new packet of it, there is a chance that there will be a nuance in it that they haven't had in it before. And I think that's lovely that we're not blending that out in all of those single estate teas, that you're letting people have that. Speciality about them, and I know I I heard Betty saying, and we've used the water that Dylan asked us to use, <laughs> and you know, and and I mean, it's the same. I feel when you were talking yesterday about this trend with cheese in tea. And I think, oh no, because similarly, you know, when people say, oh, I use that tea to smoke a piece of fish, I think, whoa, you know, when all that care has been taken to make that tea so beautiful, pick the right tea and eat it with alongside the fish. Don't burn it. It, It's funny, isn't it? it? But you're right. It is people, you know, tea has been a victim of its own success. And now we have to re-engage people and I think people are wanting to understand that so it's great all the education that that you are offering people Uh, During lockdown I know that things have changed for you because you were somebody that was travelling a lot and so you've been home more What has changed for you at home? How have you found your life differently? Because I know you won't be living out a suitcase as much as you would have been so...
1: Actually, it's been brilliant. I mean, not, of course, not the pandemic, but no. uh, for me personally, the getting more involved in our plantations, spending more time in the tea garden, spending more time in the tea tasting room. It's really, uh, when I say brilliant, it's about getting back to basics. And of course, the challenges have been frightening, but you know, every challenge has a solution, and we've, we've managed to overcome uh, uh, most of them so far. Spending a more balanced life. Yes. But also having the pleasure of uh, spending time uh, talking to you. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's such a fantastic way that technology has enabled this uh, kind of remote. I think we're very personally.
0: fortunate that this has happened now. Because, I mean, for me, I haven't, even just family-wise, within the UK, I haven't been able to travel to see my mum since October last yeah. year. And she's somebody that I normally see every month. But technology means we don't. We, we're desperate to see each other and that will happen in June. But, you know, we haven't felt as disconnected as we might have because we've been able to do things like this. So, you know, I, I think we've been, it, it has made doing business easier than it might have been otherwise. And I think hopefully going forward, people will make more use of that and be as happy to have a chat with you on Zoom as to expect you to fly in for a meeting or so I, I hope that we will stick with that. And I think we will. I think people now understand that it, that it can, um, that it can work and that life doesn't need to be as crazy as perhaps they had allowed it to be. So
1: I hope life never goes back to what it was before. I mean, it shouldn't really because we've got a fresh understanding of sustainable living and so on. But uh, no, it's, it's been, uh, it's been good.
0: And I think, I think we've all got to push to make sure it doesn't. So and I and I think a lot of people, I mean, it's been more than a year. So a lot of it has become habitual. So hopefully that will help us all. You know, I think if it had only been one short lockdown, we might all just have snapped back into what we were doing before. But we've all had to find different ways of doing things. And, and to a lot of people's surprise, they've enjoyed them. So I, I, there are definitely some signs that some things will change for good and then that will mean that other things have to change for good as well because business models will have to change to accommodate some of those things so anyway i'm going to let you go but um one last thing i ask people can you tell me three words that sum up who you are have you That's have, have you only one, three
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say uh, you know you know i hate to sort of sound like him. I mean, I don't know, they're, they're nice words, but uh, I don't want to sort of, yeah. Uh, Everybody is to reluctant
0: time. to be nice about themselves, so you're not alone there. <laughs> uh, I, w- I would say, uh,
1: you know, uh, faith is what uh, keeps me going through every situation. So yeah, faith, faith faithful is, is one big uh, uh, thing in my life. And one of the things that I value, which I guess not, not much uh, in terms of a business value, but uh, humility, I, I believe uh, a lot in humility. Uh, but uh, also um, uh, I believe in in uh, being uh, committed I could I suppose you could use yeah. the word passion and that's probably a more yeah. contemporary word because whether it's uh, environment social aspects or or tea uh, I think whatever you love you've got to follow it with a passion or it's just not worth. Uh, doing
0: it and it makes your life a lot more enjoyable too if you're passionate about what you're doing if you're not just going through the motions of it so I think these these are good words there there are only a few of many that I think I could I could use about you I would also say a lot of what you do because of the way you live your life and do things a lot of what you yourself and you as a business do is inspirational for so many other people so Thank you very Thank you, much. And I appreciate greatly you finding time to have a, to have a chat with me. It's always lovely to chat with you.
1: What a privilege. Thank you, Jane. I'm honored.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you Jane. Thanks for your Thanks time. For your See time. You soon.
1: Lovely talking to you. And Bye you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Let Me Introduce You, the Food Business Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you pick up your podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let me know what you enjoyed or connect to me at Jane Milton Food on Instagram or at Food Networking on Twitter. And if you found this helpful, we'd love you to tell other food businesses about it too. See you next time.